You're listening to In Conversation, the podcast from Creative Coverage, with me, Tim Saunders. Today, I'm with the sculptor James Eddy, whose love of fish inspires much of his work. Would you say this is because of where you live, James? Partially. It's quite a long story, but I did an environmental science degree. So I know a lot about ecology and ecology was one of my other careers that I didn't do. And in 1999, I saw David Attenborough's Blue Planet. In that is the, is the great sardine run. And you've got all of the sardines off the coast of South Africa and they're hunted by dolphins and whales. And the various techniques that those dolphins and whales use to hunt the fish. You could generate this thing, the thing called a bait and it's just that swirling mass of pelagic fish going round and round and on massive energy that was the main inspiration actually so is it purely sardines that attract your attention i think that those groupings i mean sardines that's a renamed fish the sardine was originally the pilchard of which cornwall is famous for the pilchard fishing industry in cornwall i don't know until 19th century was one of the main fishing enterprises down in cornwall and a lot of my ancestors were a part of that what turned your attention to sculpture rather than following your relatives into becoming a fisherman well, actually, first of all, I was a painter. Throughout my childhood, I would paint. And believe it or not, one of my best paintings was airfix models. There's an element of construction. So when I studied art at school, I was painting a lot, but also, you know, at home, making things, generally being a nuisance with glue, getting glue everywhere and paint everywhere. How did that lead into making sculpture? What drove your, your love of metal, particularly? Because that's what you work in, isn't it? It's one of the things I work in, yes. My actual other love is wooden stone. I'll have to summarise because it's a very long story. Being a proud Cornishman, I took up gig growing at university and met an artist. So this was summertime when I came home from university and the other artist, he worked for a theatre company called Nehi. They specialised in community site-specific theatre whereby they would create a stage. So you had a set of makers. The artists I worked with for a long time used to create these fantastic sets for theatre. So I kind of got my head turned into the idea that, yes, one, I could be a sculptor. And it was fabulous being able to make things. He also worked in metal. So I had a very long apprenticeship working with wood and metal and constructing particularly daft things. And I think that was my intro into it. And it was a bit of a leap of faith where 1999, after graduating, I decided that was what I was Going to do. How has that evolved for you in the past 20 years? It's been quite a journey. On the one hand, I'm well known for my metal work, but on the other hand, I'm well known for my environmental work. People that know me from my environmental work don't always know me from my metal work. So the journey has been very long and very unpredictable. And uh, I've found myself in lots of interesting situations and done some, you know, fantastic art projects. Now, Cornwall's going through a real difficulty, isn't it, at the moment with Brexit and the fisheries? And I was just wondering. Is there an element of politics to your work? <laughs> uh, yes, yes. It's very subtle. I don't, I'm not an overt political artist. I think that it is a cultural heritage whereby I identify as being Cornish, and that's simply a fact. I do talk about it on social media and things. It's very tricky, that relationship. I have a great love of Zen Buddhism and theory, which is not too dissimilar to ecology. Ecology is about, in effect, who eats who, and every single element of the world is interconnected. So the two theories between Zen and ecology are the same. 
Then on top of that, one of my root loves was always charcoal drawing. So mark make. So in all my work, there is a mark making process. So each individual fish is the same as one charcoal mark. In my growth and decay sculpture, charcoal sculpture at Heligan, each individual charred piece of wood is the same as a charcoal mark. So that's my process. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going back right to when I went to St. Ives School of Painting and found the School of, School of Art, it was charcoal drawing. What would you say has been your greatest success to date? What I've learned following my apprenticeships as as an artist and working with lots of other artists, it's being an artist, still being here. I think that's my greatest success. In terms of artwork, the love of my life is the Heligan sculpture. She's 10 years old this October, and I think there's plans afoot, which I can't divulge anymore. Just the ability to be able to create a sculpture outdoors at a very, very beautiful venue with such excellent stuff, and to be able to continue that, because I go every year and maintain the sculpture so there's a lovely 10-year relationship there I think that was a great love of my life and the fish sculpture has run alongside that they never cease to amaze me that people still absolutely adore them 20 years of work this year to those who are unfamiliar with your Heligan sculpture can you briefly explain it yeah, so the process to get there was I was there for a year and invited uh, to do a residency and the design came from nine months of research and it's looking at the process of growth and decay. So it's formed, it goes up into the sky, but also similarly it flows back down into the ground. The wood was designed, I charred it, jarring process reflects on the role of fire in nature and the carbon cycle, which obviously is climate change. Now this was 10 years ago. So the sculpture was designed to decay itself and go back to nature and disappear back into the earth. So what's happened in the past 10 years is the insects has populated the word, the grubs have been eating it, the wasps have been gnawing at the word, there's been birds living in it, nesting in it. It's covered on the north side with moss and lichen and there's fungus galore. So it really is a living sculpture. When you look at it, it's a very simple, pleasing form. But when you think about the role of nature, it's a quite a large statement. And it's quite nice there's a write-up before you walk down to see the sculpture. So when you look at the sculpture, you can see, oh, it's something might say no it's a lump of wood when you actually read the write-up first and then people are led down to see the piece there's quite a subtle impact there where people are in a wooded valley that they actually become quite calm and relaxed yes it's interesting how sculpture can have that effect on you isn't it absolutely absolutely and i think and it's very thought-provoking yes but then similarly with the fish because they're on mass and it's a static piece but because they're hand cut nothing is regular about them and because of the different facets of the fish the light catches the sculpture in a different way and therefore it moves so it's capturing that mass energy of nature in the form of a fish shell. Can you explain your process? best way to equate it to is when I think about traditional Japanese arts, pottery. It's a long process of applying yourself. There's a huge amount of repetition. So it's that discipline to make all of the individual parts over a very long piece of time to then bring them together into one unified thing. When you bring it together into one unified thing, it takes not very long. So the process is quite long-winded and it's that application to detail to bring something together that looks so simple and stunning but has taken an awful lot of work i think you know that that simplicity is quite hard to achieve you were telling me yesterday that you were cutting fish (laughs) (laughs) and there was i thinking you were literally cutting haddock up (laughs) yeah filleting filleting sea bass exactly what metal do you use and how do you go about making them 
I use aluminium, steel and copper for the framework. The aluminium came from using lithoplate from printers that an artist that I was apprenticed to was using. He introduced me to it. And obviously, because it's aluminium, it's very lightweight and very easy to work, unlike steel, which means I can do it by hand, which means that there's no electrical tools involved in any of the process. So much more traditional. Yes. And similarly with my woodwork, when I did the Heligan piece, I did it all by hand and with axes and splitting walls and techniques that I learned when I was a woodsman for a couple of years after graduating. Oh, that's lovely, isn't it? Because it means that you're not restricted by location. No. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And one funny story where the flat wall hanging fish shoals came from, the discs. I had to go to Venice to do an exhibition on the mainland in a village. I can't remember its name, but it was the village where Ernest Hemingway was an ambulance driver during World War One. I cut a load of fish and bagged them up in my rucksack with some steel and everything I needed. And we got there a couple of days before the exhibition. And I thought, what am I going to make? Oh, I know. I figured out that if I made a flat piece, because there wasn't a lot of space in the gallery, and wall hanging it on the wall. And I sat there and I created this piece in the, in the front of the villa two <laughs> days before the exhibition. And, and I went to the gallery and there you go. <laughs> To my, to my knowledge, it's still there in a restaurant somewhere. You were mentioning that you return to Heligon every year to maintain the sculpture. Can you just explain what's involved in maintaining it? It's on a floodplain, in fact. So there's a small river that runs down through the valley too, actually. And it's on the confluence of the two rivers. So it's actually very wet, which means that in the surrounding area, there's plants like willow bay herb that come up every year. So there's an element of gardening every summer, you know, it's, it, the, especially around the back and the sides of it, it, it gets infested with plants like brambles and and the willow bay herb that it kind of disappears so there's a little bit of interaction with me still with it so that it still has a sense of being alive and a sense of connection to being human and to being humans being a part of nature so there's that continuing interaction with it are you working on anything at the moment i've got a lot of projects on the back burner but currently they're all fairly well developed ideas and there's going to be an element of project management to then get them realized which is face-to-face conversations which I you know can't do at the minute so at the minute I've actually been back painting a lot which has been lovely because sculpture has really dominated the past 15 years and to get back to the roots of why I do things so there's a you know there's a lot of elements to my work and um, the painting has been quite interesting actually yeah after working now for 20 years since graduating plus all the artistic stuff I did as a teenager and child and working at, at university I'm trying to bring it all together now. I'm trying to make sense of that journey to then, you know, as I'm now maturing, hopefully maturing, to, to, to you know, to, to bring that together and to show everybody that all the different facets and how they combine and how they all are from the same route. I think that's going to be the next part of the, of the interesting journey that I've been on. It's been a long journey because obviously over the past 20 years, opinions have, have changed about climate. When I was at university, all of this 20, 25 years ago, all of, all of what we now is now public I knew about and it's in the early years it was a very difficult conversation you know I've gone about it in a very subtle way and not tried to ram things down people's throats so do you feel that now is the time really I, th- I think so well I don't think so I know so it has to be the time people are more receptive perhaps well since David Attenborough has come out of the uh, closet and said mm. what he said if he said it then people are, you know are listening to him I think so it is time now one of the fascinating people that I work with are you familiar with Ellen Natsiri? No, I can't say I am. He's the grandfather of African art, so-called grandfather of African art. He's a professor in Lagos. 
but he's right. actually Ghanaian. I worked with him at the Eden Project. He produced the sculpture for the Eden Project. He's since gone on to be top, top, top international artist. The Japanese emperor gave him the Art Cultural Medal a couple of years ago, put it that way. Can you uh, tell me what sculpture you worked on together at the Eden Project? I was a young, naive, budding artist that was doing bits and pieces around Eden and the artistic director who I was friends with and did was basically one of my people I was in apprentice to she said would I like to project manage for him and be his assistant artist because they were doing African sculptures in the West Africa bit of the tropical biome and he used wood that came from one of the wharfs in Fanth Harbour that burnt down but the wood was probably 400 year old African timber so there's quite a story there and we spent three or four months on this and it's still there now he always had a massive bugbear and this is the point of what I'm saying so he had a massive bugbear about the fact that African artists weren't recognised in the upper echelons of the art world and what I learned from that was on reflection over the years and as you, you know you grow up and you um, get long, longer in the tooth was that hang on a second I'm Cornish and I'm an artist and everybody goes on about BAME ethnic minority stuff hang on a minute I'm an ethnic minority and I'm an artist however the art institution sees me as a white male artist of which you're not allowed to be anymore but hang on a minute I'm Cornish it's slightly different twist on this thank you very much for your time it's been a, a pleasure to talk to you you're welcome it's great to talk to you as well